The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barchies and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. Okay, so we are back on our regularly scheduled pod jobs. So this pod will drop on Monday instead of, you know, Thursday, which is today. But anyway, I'm getting off track. What we're going to talk about first is the news, but I'm very excited that we're going to dive deep into the icon that is Tom Swift. Um, His episode, his not episode, his series is dropping on Monday. And I have to say, I already stand and I've only seen two episodes. And that's not two episodes of Tom Swift. That's an episode of Nancy True and an episode of Tom Swift. And he won me over completely. He's a legend. Yes, he's the moment. I guess. <laughs> he's an icon. I have to finish it off. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, um, but speaking of what the CW wants us to be tuning into on their schedule, this time it'll become the fall. It's Walker Independence and the Winchesters. I think we should start with Walker Independence because we were underwhelmed by the trailer, even though. Yeah, well, because I feel like I feel like we're giving like the audience like whiplash because we're like, oh, you know, it's giving. Oh, wait, it's not giving. Oh, wait, it's giving and it's not giving again. Kind of tonally all over the place. And to be fair, I mean, you both know that I was fashionably late to this recording, so I didn't get to rewatch the trailers like I had anticipated that I would. So it's not as fresh in my mind as I would have liked but I do remember the feeling of watching it and it was very what is this Mm -hmm. and like kind of it's very different for the CW um it felt kind of like someone saw the Yellowstone prequel and was like could we do that maybe um I don't know like I still want to be hopeful for it but it didn't the trailer didn't win me over yeah, yeah, I can get that. I feel like it the, It ha- looks like it has a lot of potential and I'm not sure all of it came across in the first trailer. It felt piloty in a way that it kind of like, t- danced around the story. It went into the story, but that was quite troubling considering it's a season trailer. So I was like hoping for more. This is not like those. I always look back fondly on that six minute trailer of The Flash back in the CW's head is where they would release the pilot trailer and would basically be the pilot episode in a six minute trailer. This wasn't that. This was supposed to be a season trailer. And yet it still all felt very piloty. So I think there's intrigue as far as where the story could go. But that trailer just felt very much like a jumping off point. And for a season trailer, it maybe should have felt a little bit more than that. That's for sure. Um, I I know I'm going to be here for Miss Kate Finlay as our undercover special agent 
burlesque dancer. Uh, she had maybe um, 30 seconds in the trailer and I was already invested. And mind you, we didn't get any of her story. She's literally just talking to Cat McNamara's character, Abby Walker. Um, and I was like, hmm, you've already hooked me. Kind of same with Matt Barr when his first, I think his first appearance is it's just a back shot of him. Um, and he's like looking at the rest of the town. And I was like, you are giving Rogue in this shot and you've said not one word and we're not even seeing your face. Um, so I think they're going to be so strong. I really want to get into Cap's character. Abby, I think the trailer is sort of giving wayward um, widow who wants vengeance. And I know that's the plot of Walker Independence, but I want more for her. Um, and perhaps it was just the way that it was shot or the way that they, they, they can't give away too much of how Abby's growth is going to be. So I want to be positive um, and keep going into Walker Independence with positivity. So I'm going to hold my thoughts on Miss Abby because perhaps what I need is a whole 45 minutes and then I will be there on the train. Yeah, it's hard to tell with this particular trailer what the show will be, which is... Um... I mean, you kind of hope when you watch a trailer, you're kind of like, okay, I get what this is. But for this, it was kind of, for me, it was like the music and everything kind of took me out of it. So I was kind mm -hmm. of, I don't know, as we said, underwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> it was giving, the opening shot for me was giving Lifetime. And that's not what I want for a CW show because I'm, if I'm going to watch Lifetime, I'm going to be on the Lifetime channel. Um, but like, I know she's Bostonian, but when I first, like that first, I guess, opening moment when she's talking to her husband. And then later on, I kind of felt like, and we're here in Texas and I have lost my husband and I will wander this desert until I find <laughs> vengeance. Like, that's what it was giving to me. And I was like, I don't want that to be the show. Yeah, no. it, it felt very like different from like, obviously the Walker verse of what we know about it. But at the same time, it did feel very like we've been here with the genre before. So I don't know. It, it definitely felt like it walked multiple lines. I have hope. It, it, again, it's called a season trailer and they can't have shot more than a pilot. I don't know why they build it as that. But uh, the episodes will tell more like standalone adventures. I assume as it goes on, you'll learn more about these characters. So I hope to get invested because we're all big fans of Kat and the show has potential, even if the trailer didn't highlight all of it. Yes. Have we been there though? Because this feels like a like a pivot away from what we're used to from the CW. Mm. It is because it's a, um, it's a period drama. Like this would be their, I guess, for full real jump into, um, into a period piece um, in, a, in a way that's going like, to be sustained. It's not just for an episode or it's not for a few episode arcs. We're in the 1800s. So I guess there should be some grace given as, they figure out how they want to do that on this network that predominantly is contemporary. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting because, I mean, the genre, we've seen this kind of thing like in 90s TV series and Lifetime movies and other things like that. But you're right, it's like a completely different kind of thing for CW. And it'll be interesting to see how they mash their younger audience with this kind of like old fashioned approach. That makes it very exciting. So I hope the show kind of delivers on that front. Yeah, it seems like with these two shows, specifically with the trailers that we saw, it's two completely different directions that they're kind of testing for the future. But maybe I'm thinking way too deep about that. And it's not that <laughs> they're not thinking that consciously about the future of the network. 
I mean, I think it's a great point, though, because the Winchesters is another period piece. We're just not I mean, we're in a different century than ours, but we're not that far away from um, 2022. Uh, and it the Winchesters and this is the one where it's super positive. It's so good and so cute and it's giving Scooby-Doo and um, I'm not sure how like the OG Supernatural fans are going to to feel about it, feel about it. Um, they might be angry, but I'm. I loved every minute of that season trailer. Um, it was, it's probably going to be the next CW obsession. Like, I think they're going to have a big fan base. I was surprised how much I liked it, even though it was the one that I was really warming up to, the more that I found out about it. Um, but I know in the beginning, I'm on record saying that they should not try about any, any more Supernatural spinoffs if it, this didn't work out. And I'm so glad they kept trying because this looks so good. The leads, Meg Donnelly and Drake Roger, have so much chemistry just in those clips. And he was, I liked him a lot. Let's just say that much. But it felt like um, a WB throwback, whereas like Walker Independence was giving very much like the modern period piece drama mm-hmm. that we see so much. But this is very like throwbacky to me, which I appreciate as a fan of WB. It kind of gave me like shades of Smallville not necessarily in story, but like in, in vibe, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. It was bright yeah. and cute and like endearing. And mm-hmm. um, it feels very feel good. Like, you know, it's going to warm your heart. I was expecting angst and they didn't give angst. They gave comedy um, and lightheartedness and Drake Rogers um, as John Mysterious Winchester is such a puppy. Like he's so lost and it's so cute. I'm like, oh, I can't wait for like Mary to be exasperated with him as he asks all the questions. <laughs> and she's like, we don't have time for this. Demons are on loose. Yeah, it's it's it, there's, I, I got very attached very, very quickly. And I didn't kind of expect that to happen with this. And I agree, it's very WB. It felt like it reminded me of Buffy. It reminded me of like Smallville. Even the early days of Supernatural, because that show kind of pivoted into what a modern CW show is. But in the early days, it was very WB. And this reminded me of all of that. And I mean that in like the the most positive way. It was so much fun. And I don't know whether this kind of show would have worked without the franchise backing it in today's day and age, but I'm very excited and happy that it does have that because I do think this show has a lot more fight than it did on paper. And I really hope it continues to give what we saw in the first trailer. I kind of hope that um, fans will give it a chance. I know that it's like, diverging from canon um but as someone who doesn't have 15 seasons of supernatural context and doesn't really have um a place in the conversation i want to be respectful of that fandom um but as someone on the outside like it looks so good so i'm really open to that and i hope that they give it a chance and let it let it do its thing and see what it it has in store for the franchise at large yeah, um, you know, unplug the brain and just watch. <laughs> it's fun. It yeah. looks fun. It's meant to be fun. Oh, God. And, and for the CW, um, fun is what is necessary, especially, you know, after all the cancellations. So mm-hmm. if you like, we need some fun in the fall as everyone sort of mourns the loss of their shows anyway. At least you can turn into the Winchesters, hopefully, and have a nice laugh and get a nice story. I'm in. Me too. <laughs> um, but there is another um, 
there's another show that we're kind of like, hmm, about, and it, we have no materials, but it's the, the Zorro um, series, which will have a female lead. Um, so I don't know if they'll change the title or, or, or not, um, but it is supposedly going, possibly going to drop in the 2022-2023 television season. Um, Mark Pedowitz had um, said during upfronts that they have been um, considering it for this season or, or the next. So if it's for this season, obviously it'll be in the mid-season. Mid but, um, oh, and I wish I remembered the summary of, of the plot. Uh, but I can't remember if it's actually a modern take or it's a little bit in the past. I think it is a modern i saw the headline they said modern okay so i don't so, know how they do that <laughs> i don't either because like zora brandishes a sword so has, <laughs> don't they have he has the mask mm -hmm. thing? okay yep yep um i'm interested by this not just because it was the first show or like pilot in development announced after the sale hit the headlines and everyone was like CW's days are done and then this news came out and we were like CW's days are not done so I I wanted to go ahead for just that reason but I'm also really intrigued and I'm not just saying that as like a superhero franchise fan I really like this idea and it, it's it's CW on paper and at a time when the CW is evolving it's nice to have one of those projects that you would have seen on CW five years ago four years ago three years ago even last month we don't know what the future looks like. So it's, it's nice that parts of it are recognizable and that sounds like it's a property the CW would have adapted in its head. Eh? So I'm looking forward to seeing it for just that reason. And also it's a possible superhero property. So I'm in. I agree with you, but I, I don't know how likely it is that we're getting it in this season. Mm. Like if it hasn't been, a pilot hasn't been ordered, there's, n I don't see it coming <laughs> this year. Sorry to Mark, but. <laughs> I mean, I, I would like to see it. I just don't know how plausible that is with everything going on with the network. Well, that's true, because if we're still in the process of going through, like getting the script in order, um, which is like the base level of the development process, I, I don't see, I know CW does um, their pilot development year round. Uh, so it's not like they'd have to wait. They could they could start shooting a pilot sometime at the end of summer or in the beginning of fall and enough time for them to make a decision. But Perhaps let it cook some more. Perhaps we should mm -hmm. we should see Zorro maybe summer 2023. Um, and, you know, let her bake for, for a little bit. <laughs> they still need a caster, so I don't know what they're thinking. That's true. Yeah, no, I guess I'm glad that the news came out, though. I'm glad that, like, out of At all the shows. At least it's still, like, on their minds. Yeah, okay. exactly. I think it's the only show actually that that had gotten announced um, prior to the announcement for the sale that they're still talking about. The other ones, um, I'm assuming they're still in development. But you know, at this point, with the CWs who drew up in the air, no one knows whether or not those development <laughs> deals are going to stay intact. Powerpuff is still there, fighting for its life. Oh, that's true. I, you know, I want to give Diablo Cody. Um, like so much positive energy for it. But I'm like, dang, girl, I think I think we might need to try elsewhere. They need to strike though, because that Dove Cameron song is like I hear it on the radio all the time. So it's like it feels like the stars are aligning. They need to like be like, oh my god, Dove's hitting on the charts. Maybe we should, you know, get in on that. <laughs> rebrand, rebrand Powerpuff to just be about bubbles <laughs> like, and the sister soap occasionally. I mean. <laughs> um, but uh, as far as like stars showing up potentially 
Joseph Morgan is going to be in the Legacies finale. Maybe he's teasing the fan base, um, giving them codes. It's feeling very Taylor Swift, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like way less subtle than anything Taylor Swift has ever done. My journey with his codes is... <laughs> it was a very um, challenging five minutes, I'll say that. I saw a headline that was like, he shoots down rumors that he's going to be in it. And I was like, oh, so like, he's not going to be in it. I spread the tweet. It seemed very pointed. He's like, I'm not in it. Stop dreaming. It was very like elaborate. And then I saw his video and I didn't watch it. I just listened to it in the background. And I was like, wow, he's really upset at these fans. He's like, leave me alone. I'm not going to be in this show. And then I took like a couple of minutes to like, look at the context (laughs) And the tweet like spelled out finale, like he, the way he like, it was like an acrostic poem. And then in his video, each sentence spelled out legacies. And then he winked. So like, I I think we're going to see class. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Seems like it. Uh, I mean, I'm happy right. Yeah. It feels right. Uh, like this is the end, arguably the end of the TVD universe for the time being. And yeah, it's it's set in the TVD universe, but let's not forget this is a spinoff of the originals. So it, it, it's only right that the original Klaus himself is there for the finale. And if this is a finale, like a series finale for that whole universe, it would be nice to see as many familiar faces as possible. And he'd be right at the top of that list. So it feels right that he's back if he is, if he and, is. And Julie Pleck did tease that it was like a big um situation i remember what her words were but like it was going to be a big event for fans of the franchise so i mean this tracks if he's in it (laughs) the fact that she took full advantage of the warning from mark pedowitz love that for Mm -hmm. the vampire diaries franchise fans um because it does mean that legacies will get a um what sounds like it's going to be a love letter to um before it like goes off air which is good which speaking of you guys if you have not heard yet this the series finale is june 16th legacies got moved again new episodes don't drop until june 2nd which means that legacies bumped corner out of its season four premiere slot and granted it already aired in canada it's just american fans you're gonna have to wait longer um I don't know how much longer because there's been no press release. It's we have to wait until the CW schedule comes out further, which is for corner for corner um, because it'll show on the um, it'll show on their schedule on the press site. But I have to wait two weeks to actually see when it will possibly land, because either oh. they'll, it'll go right after this legacy series finale or they'll hold it um, and since they're not actually, there's been no news reports about it. I don't even remember if there were news reports about legacies moving. I think people just found out via the schedule. And like um, affiliate Twitter accounts. Yeah. Local affiliate, CW affiliates. Which is like, CW, why? Because it's the second time legacies got bumped and like it wasn't released to the press. Like confusion, we had to confusion is their brand at the moment. Like, <laughs> let's give her grace, I guess. <laughs> okay, she's, she's struggling. <laughs> she is. Oh, God help her. Um, uh, Seth Green fans, you should be excited because he will be in Stargirl season three as Thunderbolt. 
um, I do not watch this show. So Michael, I'm gonna pass it to you. Um, should they be super excited? Is Thunderbolt a great character? Yeah, um, Thunderbolt was a big addition in season two, but he was voiced by Jim Gaffigan. I do not know why there's been a recast, but they've again, they've went for a quite a big name in terms of voice acting here. So uh, Seth Green knows how to like bring characters to life with just voices. So a lot of people are excited about this casting. It sounds like as entirely off the wall as the character should be. Thunderbolt is like a genie character summoned by a pen and he is literally off the wall. Uh, you, your wish is his command. So you have to be very careful what you accidentally say around him because your wish could turn into a curse very, very quickly. He's a very eccentric character and he was viewed very, very well in season two. I'm looking forward to seeing how he's used in season three. Um, and I think Seth Green will do a great job. I'm excited about it. I will miss uh, Jim Gaffigan as the voice because brilliant, but I'm intrigued to see what kind of direction the character and Seth Green takes him in in season three. Hmm. I mean, being summoned by a pen, like that like, took me out, but like, <laughs> I think that's a really cool Star Girl. Every time I hear information about Star Girl, it sounds so cute. Like, it just it, sounds it adorable. Is. It is. In season one, they were like, do not touch the pink pen. And then in season two, we find out why you should not touch the pink pen. And so I don't really know what kind of role he'll play in season three, but this show never misses for me. So I'm really looking forward to it. What if they lost the pen? Oh, who knows? The, some, the wrong person that left it, they'd make the wrong wishes. Their life would become hell because <laughs> no one trusts that genie. <laughs> oh, okay. That sounds fun. And like a disaster. That'd be so great to watch. Um, but season three isn't coming to fall, just to remind everybody. Um, and there's not an exact premiere date. CW is a little odd from the other broadcast networks. This could change this year, depending on the sale. But they tend to premiere their shows in October, while the other ones premiere in September. Um, so that might be when Stargirl lands on the CW. We'll keep you posted. Um but as far as like CW shows on Netflix, there are two that are leaving. That's Rain and the Originals, but they're leaving in an odd way. All the seasons aren't leaving. Um, the final seasons will be left on Netflix for an undetermined date. Um, Rain will leave on June 23rd and the Originals will leave on June 30th. Once again, confusion. Like, I don't understand. Like, I understand why they're leaving. Like, that was, like, planned. But the final seasons? I, that, that doesn't make sense to me. It's weird. And oh. it's awkward. Yeah. I don't know. Weird and awkward is where the CW is right now. I think I have to embrace that knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, and then our last piece of news, which is exciting news, Charisma Carpenter is going to be in Dynasty. I'm so excited. Another Buffy star on... Uh, the CW, um, but this is makes so much sense to me. Charisma Carpenter on Dynasty, like it was only a matter of time. It was something I didn't even know that I wanted and needed until I heard about it. So I'm so excited to see her. It's what she deserves. Like she's so good, and I feel like we haven't seen her in stuff recently. Maybe this is her. F- I don't want to speak out of turn, but maybe it's her first um, appearance on the television show since speaking out against Joss Sweden. So I'm very excited mm. for her to, you know, reclaim her career a little bit and play a character that I know is going to be off the wall. She's found ex babysitter. So God only knows what that's gonna, <laughs> gonna entail. <laughs> 
Um, yes, yeah, so she'll play Heather. And she's coming with a surprise that's also a bombshell, which of course that would happen on Dynasty. Yeah, yeah that's just like another Tuesday for the Carringtons, but like who like what I want to know what it is. <laughs> I know. It's like it entices you. Um, speaking of enticement, so it'll it's she will be on the July 8th episode, and it'll be episode 17. So we have to wait um over a month but it's okay y'all because have charisma in your thoughts she's coming to the cw yes and before that will be the 100th episode on june 3rd so get excited for that yes and you know like we've been praising legacies for lining things up but dynasty is lining things up too as we head Mm -hmm. towards its um series finale again showrunners make the time worth it when you get the news i mean i'm so glad to be seeing that that has been the case for at least these two shows mm-hmm. getting all those guest stars like the guest list or the wish list guest stars get them all in before time's up i know i know it's gonna be great and i so i'm not gonna make it in time like through the binge but i want to be there in spirit i might pull i might pull a you read and just watch like, just with watch no out context. of context yeah. <laughs> We started our Tom Swift journey, which also, of course, connected to our Nancyverse journey um, by watching his first appearance. And can I say that Tian Richards is going to be the next big CW star? I'm calling it now. I'm uplifting it. I'm uplifting him. He's so great as Tom Swift. I mean, his entrance alone into Nancy Drew's episode, like not like they summon, they're trying to get rid of a kitchen demon. She's like, I summon something. Door opens. He walks in with the wind. So extra, so dramatic. Just everything you need from him. It's so refreshing when you see an actor playing a character or an actor or any performer play a character and they fully embody that character. They know who that character is and you know that they're the only person who could play that character. Mm-hmm. And just seeing him in that role, it's is just like stars aligned, kismet. It, he's so good in that role. Even from the beginning when he didn't have his whole show to back him up, he just had that one episode, like he had his moment. It's so perfect. Yeah, that's it. He was show stealing from his first appearance. And it just felt like he fully personified this version of the character. Because I know in source material, the Tom Swift character is big and Nancy Drew and they they pop up from time to time. But this was such a unique version of the character. And I totally get that, what you said. It felt like nobody else could play that from his very first appearance. And throughout the rest of the episode... I'm not familiar with Nazi Drew yet. We'll change that. But um, uh, throughout the rest of the episode, it was all about him. And I don't mean that in the way it was written. It just like whatever way the camera, the, the material, it all gravitated towards him. It was an excellent performance, but also an incredibly captivating character. And you can see why the, the crumbs were laid for a spinoff off the bat, because after that, there was no going back. No, not because he's just so... Perfect. I like. I, I'm sorry, I, guys. I found my new favorite CW character. <laughs> I love Tom so much, and I think it's because there's such a great balance of. Um, I'm really into characters that have a great balance of humor and vulnerability, and he has that in spades. There's so much charisma on screen um, with Tian. Like I love. Like first of all, he's a man who's entered. Like Tom Swift's a man who's entered a town he don't know anything about, and he's already like commanding attention. Um, and saying things that probably like, sir, like you commenting on her outfits, like being like, 
you got that hat out of thrift stores. I would not be taking your advice. <laughs> um, and I liked that him and Nancy are sort of like uncomfy friends. They like they're um, she is so irritated by his whole existence in parts of the episode because he just refuses to believe um, in the supernatural. And then finally, he has to get on the train, and they sort of um, annoy one another. But there's they have so many like little small great conversations that lead to growth for both of them. Like they learn from each other in that 45 minutes. They did a lot in um, Tom Smith's introduction to the Nancy verse. Um, and it's just, it was compelling. Um, and you're right. There's, there's no way they couldn't have given him a spinoff series after that performance. I know it was intended, like his appearance was intended as like a backdoor pilot or like a, I guess it wasn't really a backdoor pilot because we don't see his whole universe. We just see him, but that was the intention of the appearance. But even if that wasn't the intention and he just appeared in the show, there's no way that he wouldn't have been a fan favorite and been like, like we would have championed him. We would have wanted more of him. Like there's no way it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have led to more, Like he's just too good. The character and the actor, the whole thing. And I commend the writers too. Cause they like really laid the groundwork really well for the character. They did. And the budget for the outfits was there. <laughs> I love that he has an outfit for every occasion. And he didn't just mean that lightly. It's like, no, if we're switching the plan, I have a new outfit. That is just what's happening. Also, aside about Nancy, she loves a scarf. And I, <laughs> and I, was like, I wasn't prepared for like how much she loves a scarf. I was like, oh, you have a new one in another day too? But okay, um, they're pretty. It was, it was a class. And it was, it was nice the way we've mentioned how they were kind of like uncomfy friends from what we knew about Tom Swift from the trailers and everything going in, that was a very specific world and it, it gave dynasty vibes. It gave like realism, but also soap. So to have that knowledge going into an episode of Nancy Drew and also know that Nancy Drew is going to be very supernatural. We talked about how those kind of tones kind of shouldn't work together. And yet this guy came in with all this story you, that they did a great job building his backstory beforehand because we didn't know that much about it. And yet he came in fully established, fully comfortable in who and what he is with his company and his real realistic version of the world. And it gels so well with their supernatural version of the world. It's hard to believe these same characters exist in the same universe and they really played into that throughout the episode with both his comments about the style, with both her, her refusal to stop me or to make him, to give up, to make, making him believe about the supernatural. They clashed so well. And that really became a great arc throughout because then he eventually had to give into her ways and she eventually had to give into his ways and they made a great team in the end, but they still went back to their own worlds, hers, which is supernatural and his, which is real with a side of soap. And I think that was a great way of setting up a spinoff because it let you know that it was going to be totally different. For sure. I, I will say, though, and since we're, we're talking about Tom Swift's show and we're going to be spoiler free with this, you guys, um, but we have seen the premiere episode. Um, I would encourage you, if you're going to tune into Tom Swift, to revisit his episode um, on Nancy Drew. It'll give more context to some of the things that are being said in his show. Cause I, I will say that when I, after watching, um, his Nancy Drew episode, I understood some of the arcs that they're going to be doing in his own show better. Um, because they actually talked about it on Nancy Drew and they didn't necessarily bring, um, bring it up in the way that you would want, um, in the premiere. 
Yeah, they did some character work in Nancy Drew that laid the foundation for what we see in the pilot. Yeah, and established um, that they're, I believe this has come out, so like CW, don't hunt me down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that they are in two separate time periods. And so now I'm like, oh, so are we going to reference back to certain things, like certain conversations or certain uh, dialogue that he had in Nancy's show, um, but update it for like however many years have been between that moment and, and the time period that his show was set in. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think that's why, and I believe I read this in an article. So again, CW, don't come for me. But uh, uh, the reason why spinoffs, won't, not spinoffs, um, cameos, crossovers, whatever, won't be as immediate in Tom Swift is because the two shows actually take place in two, sep- two different years. Um, Tom Swift is in, I want to say Tom Swift is in our present and Nancy Drew is in the past. So she hasn't reached his his time period yet. Like it's, it's maybe they'll catch up with season four. Oh, maybe I hope so because I want Nick to appear on Tom Swift because I love Nick and Tom. Um, their chemistry was so great as a George. Watch out, girl! I don't know, <laughs> 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 um, but they were they were so cute. I would really want to see their friendship and Nick sort of being blown away by Tom's world if he were to have an episode um, on Tom Swift. I would love to see the the true crew. Is that what they're called? The, I think so. Them just walk into the mansion and be like, "Oh my goodness." <laughs> <laughs> We've seen how he can kind of turn their world upside down. It would be pretty cool to see if they, how they would turn his world upside down and to get that mix of like technology meets supernatural on the other end of things. It's funny. It's hard to believe these two shows exist in the same universe now, having seen both episodes. But having seen the Nazi Drew episode with Tom Swift in it, you can see how they are connected. It's not a separate universe it's without a doubt the same version of the character and uh, like as 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 we know they're, they're more tied than you'd think so it would be cool kind of like a bit like you know the way katie keen was set so far in the future of the, the early seasons of riverdale mm-hmm. and then they did do crossovers later in the season it would be kind of cool if one of two one or two of the characters popped up in a later episode of tom swift but maybe didn't necessarily what was referenced what was happening on nazi drew so as not to give away nazi drew's endgame I like that. Uh, petition for it to be Nancy and Nick. And <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> just the, out of the like everybody, they were my favorite. Um, those like those two interacting with Tom are my favorite. Um, what else about Tom Swift? Uh, I like that. Like we're talking about CW being in a new era. I don't think we've done secret agent spy stuff. Like, obviously, he's not a secret agent, but we're, we're, he's very techy. There are a lot of gadgets. We're skulking around in, in dark corners. We're like, I have a solution. Throws Barclay into the air. <laughs> so, like, so um, Barclay can do whatever he needs to do. I'm not going to be able to follow the science, uh, but I'm just going to trust them on that and believe and um, move forward for however they want to tell us Tom's going to be solving things because... I will not be the fan that is like, that doesn't make sense because such and such property that can't like coincide together. I I just save that. It's okay. I will just (laughs) do the fantasy science. It's fine. It's the correct mix of like absurdity, but like they ground it really well, I think. And for me, it's a really good um, successor. Is that the right 
word yeah successor to to dynasty because just because of like the excess and the i mean fallon and tom are kindred spirits like they are they would be frenemies i, I was gonna say besties but i think they, frenemies, would, you're right. yeah, they would they wouldn't get along at first or something um but yeah when i was watching it i was like not that i was comparing it or like that's why I liked it because it felt like Dynasty, but I just like I saw that aspect of the CW, mm-hmm. the one that I felt was we were losing in all of this, and I was like, oh, so there's still something here for me, <laughs> but it is still so uh, different enough in I guess a few other ways that makes it a really good um, representation of where the network could go. I guess that's more like global thinking than just thinking about the show itself. But <laughs> th- those are my like big thoughts during watching the pilot. Yeah, it, no, I agree. Yeah, but- it definitely feels like the genre. It, it's it's got a, it's not a, it's a hard genre to pin down because there's so much in there. It's giving Dynasty. It's giving MacGyver. It's like as we saw from the trailer, slight dash of superhero in that they just keep going big, big, big. There's so much in there, and we've never really had that kind of show on the CW before in that you can't just pin it down from the offset. Of course, shows like Legends of Tomorrow get goofier as they went on. Riverdale got goofier as they went on. They played and experimented with more genres. But Tom Swift's like that from the offset, and that makes it very, very intriguing. There is something in it for everyone, and it ticked a lot of boxes for me. I was like, oh, I like this part of it. Oh, I like that part of it. And I'm very excited to see what kind of direction it goes in because it literally does feel like one episode could be totally different from the next. Yeah, and I think that's the point because the team behind the show did say, you know, it's it's steak, it's cotton candy, it's like <laughs> anything you could possibly want is in this show. I mean, they have fast cars, they have great fashion, they have technology, they have mystery, we have science. I mean, um, there's space, like, obviously, you know, that um, the meteorite that he finds in, in Nancy Drew is going to come into play. Like, and of course, the conversation with his father, I, what's lovely about Tom Swift is also that, like, it's very fun, but um, it is getting into conversations that are important to have. Like, for instance, Tom Swift is gay. He's everything his father could want in a son, except his father, there's one thing that he doesn't care for, and it's that he's attracted in, to men. And in, and you were like, I would hope um, in this series that his father moved past that, but if he doesn't, then the goal would be to get Tom to a place where he is secure in, how, in, in who he is, and how his father feels is how his father feels, but it um, there's no regard to how he is going to walk in the world. That is just going to have to be his father's issue. And um, and I think that would be beautiful for people to watch. And we see like Tom has a lot of confidence. He's very secure in his own body and his own everything about himself. He's like very secure in it. But we do see those cracks in the in the outside. We see what's really happening in the inside. And it's not just like all the, the hard shell that he puts on. He's not as confident as he leads on which makes a really good dynamic character and I think he also has a really good scene partner in Ashley Murray mm-hmm. whose character Zenzi does not let uh Tom get away with the BS 
<laughs> no. And um that is that's necessary for his his character as they show like they um not foreshadowed but sort of had an element of in Nancy Drew. Um because he said he needs people in his life who challenge him. Um and we know he has Zenzi, Zenzi and she challenges him and like humbles him. And humbles him. He's not <laughs> it's not Tom's way or the highway with her. She's like, I get what you're saying, but this is these are the facts. This is the reality. And this is what you have to deal with, not whatever is going on in Tom world. So I think that's lovely. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see where her character goes because there's so much potential mm-hmm. for Zenzi. But from the very beginning, I'm obsessed with her. It's exactly what I wanted to see Ashley doing post Riverdale verse. So tens across the board for Ashley. <laughs> yeah, because she told TV Line that, that what she loves about this role, she gets to be a woman. Like she's not playing a teen girl. Mm-hmm. She's a woman who knows what she wants in life. She knows how, the future that she wants to um, try to path toward. She gets to, as she put it, she's like, I get to be sexy. Um, and that is like, and she she loves that she gets to own that part of herself and express that part of herself on a show that also allows her to be a banging businesswoman. Um, and so I'm just this journey that that Ashley's on, and we're going to be on with her for Zenzi. I'm excited for. It's what she deserves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not that we didn't love Josie, but Josie didn't get the material she needed on either show. That was a lovely way of putting it. Very <laughs> neutral. <laughs> but I, know, I was like thinking, I was like, what's the word choice here? <laughs> Being careful. Um, but we do have to unpack like our spoiler-filled feelings when the episode finally drops. Mm-hmm. Because um, it is an episode to talk about, for sure. Definitely. And I can't wait to see it in its true form. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, so uh, but speaking of things that we're watching, um, so All American and All American Homecoming had their finales on Monday, May twenty third. I am going to be complete one hundred with you. I was not prepared, and I don't mean as in they blew me away. I mean in I was two to three episodes with uh, without content. She lied so- to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I said I was gonna be on. I'm just uh, we, no. we understand. Yeah. I'm, I'm like eight episodes behind on homecoming so like <laughs> i'm like 11 it's all right <laughs> i know but like i'm on tape like twice being like i'll catch up i'll be on time and like and then i was like i had to tweet on that monday i'm not caught up we're going in blind have fun with that um and i will say that um i'll start with all american season four's finale it was okay um even like not having context. I think I'm I, I'm struggling with the storyline that is sort of separating Spencer and Olivia because he is moving further into um, his professional career as a football player, at least in the in the college iteration of it. And they're clashing uh, because you know his schedule is tight. Um, and he is like getting steps closer to his dream and trying to build it. But that also means living in the gray area of the sports world. Like, and she's a reporter. I mean, yeah, and she's going to report on the not so great happenings on the football team on, at Golden Angels University. And um, Spencer is trying to be open and aware of that, but it's making his life difficult. But for Olivia to be silent, that would make her life difficult. So it's a, it's a good storyline. I'm just like, 
I don't know if I'm really interested in it. Like, it's not that the writing is bad. The writing is fine. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I don't, I'm not feeling this this clash over that. I get it. It's an important storyline to have, and, and they're going to have important discussions come season five, especially when she told him, so look, your coach is a bad man, and I'm going to run a report on this man, and that's just going to be what it is, and I need you to be on, on my side with this. He's like, I just said I wanted to be on your side, but you're, it's, you're making it difficult. <laughs> and my position is that, Spencer, it's better that this comes out now rather than you be cheesing in these pictures with this man for the next three years. And this news comes out from another reporter. And then someone's going to ask you some very, very difficult questions I mean, at a logical, press conference. It's a logical route. <laughs> you know? So I hope he gets there in season five. Um, Jordan and Layla are together. So spoiler alert, read. Jordan and Simone broke up. I don't know why. I don't know how. Um, but that happened. Um, Jordan and Layla are cute. Layla is scared of relationships right now, so they're in limbo and also her ex came back and he now was running her father's company it will be and she thought she was going to be running it so tension um coop chose herself instead of um, a relationship with patients or a relationship with sky so instead of getting a girlfriend she is going to work on social justice things um and i'm assuming casually date because i don't think coop's going to be alone coop seems like a, a woman who enjoys company and um and that's <laughs> And then so she'll probably be working and meet a lawyer, which, you know, good for her. Um, And I think there are other things that happened in the All-American season four finale, but I was whelmed. Um, So season five, here I come in the fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, And All-American Homecoming um, is series finale. I was lost in the series. Sorry, season finale. Ooh, <laughs> no, I like I knew it was renewed, but that was a jump scare. <laughs> yeah, sorry. If I scared anybody else, my apologies. I misspoke. Um uh, I was underwhelmed. You said uh, it turned Sophie, right? Not to interrupt you. Oh, it did. So let me explain. So the um they were able to save the the university. Brinkson University got a mysterious one million dollar donation, which was just exactly what they needed. That's valid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I wish it was her. It's actually, you know, Simone's mama. Um, oh, huh. yes, yeah, she got the group that she's like the client that she's been working with to make a charitable donation to Brinkson University, with the guidelines that they had to oust the current sitting president um, of the university and make that her sister, Amara. Mm. Well, yeah, so soap opera. Um, and then to make it to add more soap onto what was already a soapy context. Um, so, you know, all season, Damon's like, I don't know who my father is, my biological father, I want to know. And he thought it was, um, he thought it was JR's father. I think that's what they thought. Yeah, um, but he was told it wasn't. It was, but it, he is JR's mom's son. Lo and behold, it, that's because he's a product of an affair um, between uh, the his adopted father and, um, JR's mom. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and to add more to that cake, originally the reason why he hadn't left JR's family is because JR's dad was trying still trying to make the marriage work, even though um, but then he made his wife give up Damon, which is how he ended up back with his adoptive father, like his adoptive, but actually biological father. Um, 
only to be revealed at the end after taking a, a, after some information he found that JR's dad actually is his father. And so his and JR's what? yeah, <laughs> don't you? So, so JR's father actually gave away his own son rather than um, the son that was his wife's from an affair, and that's how it ends. Wow, that was a journey, wasn't it? <laughs> I can't and wait was, to see how that all <laughs> goes down. <laughs> uh, and it was the last uh, ten minutes of the show. I was like, wait, 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 slow, slow down. Yeah, you're like plotting the family tree. You're like, what's going on? <laughs> exactly. And then he called the coach that was involved in the baseball scandal. And so now he wants to leave Brinkston because JR's father is supposed to be coaching the Brinkston team um, in the season. And he doesn't want to be there. I was like, so you're going to go with the man who was cheating? You're going to go with the man who was flubbing grades so the baseball players could stay on there? And he's also an awful human being. Like, okay. It's kind of confusing to me that the person that it was assumed to be the whole time his real father. Like they were like, it's not him. And then the last month they're like, JK, the whole season, he's been wondering if that person was his father and it was. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it makes sense that it's not some like random person, new character that no one cares about. I hate Mm -hmm. when shows do that where they're like, this person walks in, you're like, who is that? I I don't care about them. (laughs) Exactly. I hate when they do that for for, um, ships. Like when they at the series finale and like, you know, the two people that that, that um, fans have been rooting for aren't together. And they're like, I hope in the last few minutes, you know, if we're doing a time jump, we find out that they're married. Like they did that on um, Nashville. And no, it's Scarlett and Gunner. I'm spoiling anybody who hasn't watched Nashville. But I'm sorry. You can don't waste your time. So the um, I mean, the first few seasons are really great. The last one's not so much. Um, the. Scarlett and Gunner don't end up together, but also Scarlett's last scene, she reveals that she's married to a doctor and that character was never on the show, I believe. And he was off, it was a marriage off screen. Like way to say it was never going to happen in the first place (laughs) 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 to the fans. (laughs) Um, But that's it for those finales. I mean, other stuff happened in the All-American Homecoming um, finale, but I'm going to need some context. But, oh, Damon and Thea are dating, and Simone is um, dealing with it. Also, Thea played. You knew it was coming. I knew it. Yes. There was, like, a moment, and I was like, oh, I see where they're taking this. I I like it. <laughs> oh, but Thea has now declared war against Simone because she has a, a torn rotator cuff, and she blames Simone. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, so she said, watch her back, and I was like, oh, Damon's going to be in the middle. Well, have fun with that, Damon, in season two. God, I love that show. <laughs> You're like, yes, I can't wait. It's gotten so wild. It's just like torn rotator cuff. Not what I was expecting, but like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and so moving on to Superman and Lois, which again, it's still off air. It's off, <gasps> it's off air until, wait, why can't, I don't know time. When is it coming back on air? It's coming Tuesday, isn't it? Yep. It's coming Tuesday, finally. Yes, which is May 31st. I don't know why I was about to say mm-hmm. that was a Monday, but that's not a Monday. I'm like, <laughs> switching nights. Um, it's a day, y'all. Just, you know, we're recording mm-hmm. this and I'm having a day. Um, <laughs> and it's not even that, that it's still early in the day for that. Um, so, but we have when um, Bitsy, Tulak, and Tyler Hecklin were being interviewed by TV Line. Bitsy, uh, I'm not even going to call it a slip. But she did tease that the season three villain is going to be cool, which, you know, <laughs> since the Superman villains tend to be cool, um, 
not clear which one she wants, but it made me excited for season three. Do we think she meant cool literally, like they're cold, or <laughs> they're like cool, like you know, cool? <laughs> I tell you, if Mister Free shows up, she has some explaining to do. <laughs> uh, everyone's assuming that it might mean someone like uh, Doomsday because they were teased earlier in the season and it turned out it wasn't Doomsday, it was Bizarro instead. Um, or that it could be the big bad Superman villain we've yet to hear anything about, which is Brainiac. Uh, one of them would be really, really cool. I don't think they'll do Lex Luthor since he was a big bad of like three seasons of Supergirl. I don't think we need to do that again. But uh, they seem to be the three most obvious choices. Watch them do something completely different like they did the season with Bizarro, I don't know. But either way, that was a, I don't even know. It was a solid tease. She didn't let anything slip. Like, leave the woman alone. It was a solid <laughs> tease. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what it is. Uh, Superman at Lois just does not miss. I don't expect him to start in season three, even though most CW shows do start to do so in season three. But we'll give it, we'll give it a chance. I'm looking forward to seeing who it is and keep the mystery alive for a bit longer. No doubt the season two finale will answer it for us. True. I will say if, if they start to slip in season three, I'm blaming Jordan and Sarah. I just <laughs> the team <You're> drama. <laughs> yes. You're ready to push them under that bus. <laughs> I am because they're they're already giving me like heartburn in season two. Just like please, please stop. I'm over it. I just let's get back to the family drama side and not be based on those two. Well, yeah. yeah I feel go. like ever since they've started trying to break them up, it's really become like the show's weak link at that last episode when Jordan was like, I need to read Sarah my letter, even though Lana's gone missing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once they told us what was like, they revealed what was in it, which we assumed that when he was like so desperate, but I was like, even with that being what was in the letter, I'm like, Jordan, her mama is missing. She don't care about your letter. It just, he doesn't, he doesn't know what timing is. He's, no. he's always on his own schedule. He is. He needs to, someone needs to reel him in. <laughs> Lana, like, Le, um, Lois tries, but like even that conversation where she was like trying to tell him about the, give him the updates on Lana's um, missing situation. And he was like, okay, but I also need to talk to Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's great. Don't particularly care. <laughs> <laughs> Read the room, dude. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm sure he'll improve. As, as he gets a little older, I, they really are leaning hard into him being 15. So Yeah, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> Launching into the Flash discussion, Michael, I realize we have double duty because we have to talk about two episodes, but perhaps we should give like our, like a brief, a brief rundown that is the Frost funeral, um, which again, 70% of the episode was good. The other 30% I could have done without. Yeah, um, the, this season, this Frost storyline has been a divisive for me uh, because I didn't, I don't think they needed to kill that character off when there was other characters they could have killed off. No, I'm joking. Um, but I just feel like uh, it wasn't necessary. The, what they've done with it has been fine. It's been like you said, seventy percent solid. The funeral episode was quite touching, and the Caitlin stuff was great. The surprising relation or friendship between uh, Iris and Caitlin's mom was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, I didn't mind that they split it all into acts so you could see how each one of them were grieving. But the Chester and Allegra falling out over sandwiches or whatever, I was just saying, ah, this is not necessary. Sandwiches? And it, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. 
You don't uh, have to elaborate. I'll it's just two people <laughs> basically trying to say that they were conflicted over silly things. And it was really about their feelings for each other. And I was like, no, we don't need to do this in a funeral episode. Um, that was that didn't do it for me. But what they've done with the story has been fine. I just don't think the story needed to happen. But yes, I will say each episode has been quite impressive. But if I'm honest, I'm more excited to talk about this week's episode. But before that, what have you thought of these last couple of Frost episodes? Um, I thought the... This is going to be a point that's also made in um, when we talk about the next episode, the, the one that just premiered. Uh, they did a lot of showing and sorry, did a lot of telling instead of showing. So we were told a lot about the things that Frost has done and what she brought to people's lives. And like she's been on for a really long time. And the things that y'all mentioned were things that we did not actually see on screen. But, you know, the Jesse L. Martin, Grant Gustin, um, Candace Patton. Danielle Panabaker, I'm sorry, I don't know the actress who plays um, Caitlin and Frost's mom. Um, Susan Walters. Susan Walters. They were all fantastic. Um, just truly uh, gave in every scene that they had when it came to Frost. Um, I really like the dynamics that they established. Um, even the new ones that like you mentioned with, with um, Iris um, and Caitlin's mom. I just... I really enjoyed those aspects of, of the episode. I, if you cut out the Chester and Alecca part and let um, Chill Blaine, let Mark actually talk to Barry, um, mm-hmm. then it would have been a 100% great episode of the season, probably would have been um, number three for me um, mm-hmm. if you had cut those parts out. Um, but hopping over to the, to the next episode, when I say that they're stuck on telling and not... Um, showing like it has like it's like things like when they say Allegra does well in the field you, Barry you should let um Allegra handle this and let her and Chester handle this and I was like we saw her once in the field um or like when um Barry is talking to to please Joe when Barry is talking to Joe um and he talks about how Iris is um, the reason why he started playing D&D because she told him to give it a chance. I was like, I'm sorry, you didn't let Candace Patton sit at the D&D table so that we could see her go on a fantastical adventure. She would have ate that. Um, but like if I remove, you know, my Iris Stan hat and, ta- and like just say that Iris is off doing a story and that's why she's not here. This is one of the best episodes that they've done, not even only for this season, but in general on The Flash. And um, as far as speaking in the context of this season, because they let Barry be the center of the story, it made the episode. Um, Barry and and Joe be the centers of the story. It it really, really made the episode. In fact, Michael, I really want to hear what you have to say about Barry's arc, Um, considering like uh, it was such a good arc for 45 minutes. It was. And uh, to give Reed a bit of context, the episode was called The Curious Case of Bartholomew Allen. And uh, he got blasted with a red that basically started, made him start to edge at an accelerated rate. And which means yeah, the more he used his speed, the more he'd used his powers, he started aging dramatically. And on paper, you're like, we're in the middle of funeral storyline. Someone's get, dying of time sickness. Like, do we really need to do this? But if you take the episode out of context, it was one of the best episodes The Flash has produced in years. It was 
incredible it was is to see finally see Barry at the center of the story um, of course he was very stubborn but it wasn't just like conflicted uh, forced conflict kind of stubbornness they actually addressed it in the episode and why he was behaving like that and I thought that was really really good um, it was nice to see the heart of the show at the heart of the show um, the corny characters were put in the background and I have to say that was a fantastic use of Cecile probably the best use of Cecile they've ever had on the show I really like the dynamic between her and Barry and having her be like this worried motherly figure mm-hmm. where her powers actually felt right without being invasive because I know people have had issues that she tends to just show up you're feeling this way and I'm like girl get out of my head but like in this time it was really really good it was really powerful and there were two incredible scenes the one with Joe and Captain Singh followed by the one with Barry and Cecile they let the characters feel the moments they let them be in the moments and they were each five minutes long both those scenes were probably the best standalone scenes of the whole season and to get them both right after each other it just felt like all your Christmases had come at once it was like this is the flash we used to know and the episode I didn't expect to say this but the episode resonated with me on a personal level that I I'm not going to get into on the pod but we can talk about later it resonated with me on a personal level, particularly some of the stuff Cecile said, and you you might understand, Sabrina, since you've seen it, but mm-hmm. I did get Terry at it and I didn't expect it. And it's the fact that a flash, the flash can take uh, on the surface corny episode and turn it into something surprisingly deep, surprisingly emotional, that not only means something to the characters, but to the audience. That did it for me. I don't know whether that says that, I don't know whether my connection to it makes me a little bit biased or whatnot, but it felt like the flash of old. It felt like the flash of season one. And it's been a long, long time since I've been able to say that. And I know I tweeted something about it and I got some people in my DMs, but, oh, does it make sense? Why would you say that? And I'm like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. This episode was personal to me. I enjoyed it. Yes, there are issues with it, but I'm not going to explain myself as far as why I loved it. Um, uh, Yes, out of context, it works beautifully. In context, it's a mess because why would Barry and Joe be playing D&D when Iris is trapped in the still force? They should have sent the poor woman on a business trip or an all-expenses-paid trip to a, a, a resort somewhere and let her have the better time of her life so that her family could be happy knowing she was safe. It doesn't work. But if you just watch the episode as a standalone episode of The Flash, solid 9 to 10 from me. Glorious. Yes, I, I wish it could be a 10 um, because if the, the Iris element wasn't there, which... Detour to the hashtag let Iris be great movement. If you're watching on Wednesdays or you're not watching on Wednesdays, but you want to treat during 8 p.m. ET um, and you are a big Iris fan and a big Candace Patton fan, um, you should add hashtag let Iris be great to your tweets. Um, The whole point of the movement is to uplift Candace and her contributions to the flash and to be very vocal because if you've paid attention to this fandom, she has dealt with so much harassment. Um, To the point where she's not even on Twitter a lot because she can't tweet without people being racist and awful in her tweets. And mind you, it's been years since The Flash um, premiered and they're still doing this. Um, So while she's not around on Twitter a lot, we still want, like if she's ever on for her to be able to see how much um, joy and she's brought to people's lives as Iris um, and that she does have a fan base that cares a lot about her um, which is why I wish we didn't have to say you know out of context the episode really works um, but to go back to your point Michael about whether or not you'd be biased I wouldn't say so um, because what um, what this episode did really well is it took a moment like it took beats to have real honest conversations about 
what it's like um, getting older, what it's like in different periods of, of um, your journey in life and what that means for, you know, the people who love you. Um, I mean, the out of all the conversations that Cecile and Barry have had, this has been the most beautiful, um, which previously had been when she had explained to him that she had been in um, a mental institution trying mm. to get her mental health back. And now this one has um, replaced it because it allowed you to touch once again back to Cecile's past and then connect to Barry's fears. Um, and that was the best use of time they could have done uh, with the episode. Same thing with Captain Singh and um, Joe. Like talking about like, no, the problem isn't that you're getting older. The problem isn't that you retire. The problem is that you don't like change. Mm -hmm. Um, And like that is an inevitable part of life. And if you don't allow change in, how are you supposed to grow? And he was like, you know, after stubbornness, which apparently is a trait that Barry got from him, (laughs) um, uh, he wound up looking like Gandalf. Um, at the D&D table, and you could tell Jesse L. Martin um, loved that. In fact, he broke character because <laughs> saying, saying um, but, you shall not pass. Um, so that was that was so great. I think the one, I even think the scene with, with um, Kaylin at the end was uh, really, really good. Uh, my one qualm, um, my one issue with it was when she went, what if you could get your mom and dad back? And I was like, did, you, did we just completely delete season three? from our minds because my man tried to do that and then messed up the timeline i know like and you yelled at him for it <laughs> like so I, we forget i know it's been some years but girl he and that's the whole reason why the timeline is completely different and some people now have different gendered children than they did when they before he before he did that though you know shout out to um um the pied piper because he has a great relationship with his parents now mm. i believe and a boyfriend because of that time slip. So good for him. Though I think he's back to being a villain. But either way, good relationship with his parents and he's in love. And that's exactly what Hartley deserved. Is right. Like the only good thing from the timeline change. <laughs> yes. But all in all, um, the Flash season eight, I guess it's going to be one of the most conflicting um, seasons because it's not that there hasn't been great writing. Um, it's that you have to continuously take it out of context. Mm-hmm. in order to be like this is the best episode or um this is like number three or or um yeah but we're gonna move on to dynasty um read it's been a hot minute since i uh talked about an episode of dynasty but this one feels so big in the grand scheme of the series episode 12 and i'm i know this is kind of like spoilers for both of you but i think of it less as spoilers and more of like um enticing you to watch and get to this point and see how it all unfolds so in the episode well in this this season Fallon and Liam have been trying to start a family and it's been up and down for them and in this episode Fallon is very excited to go to an appointment that she doesn't explicitly say but we know because she is holding a pregnancy test and seems very anxious and excited that she's going to go to the doctor to confirm if she is pregnant but she ends up being held hostage in her mother's penthouse <laughs> because Alexis is putting her um, her shopping habit out on Instagram stories and people are like, she's a target and people want her Cartier earrings or whatever she bought. So Fallon and Alexis end up in Alexis's panic room, which isn't like a four by four, like metal room that you would think it is a full like spa lobby. She's got... Uh, a snack bar she's got couches I think there was a fireplace 
extra um, and found really struggling with not, she doesn't want to tell her mother about what she's about, what she needs to get out of this panic room and go do. Cause it's really big. She hasn't told Liam she's nervous because of her journey so far with fertility. And in the end of the episode, obviously they get out of the panic room because nothing bad's going to happen to Fallon again. Just so everybody knows, like we don't have to worry about Fallon anymore. <laughs> um, but she does end up getting to her appointment. And unfortunately it's not good news. Um, she finds out from, I believe it was a blood test or maybe I'm getting a show mixed up. I don't know. There's a lot of TV happening. Um, but she finds out that due to her gunshot from the season four finale, that she will not be able to carry a child due to the scar tissue around, because she was shot in her abdomen. So it's right around like her uterus and all of the important um, things for um, female reproductive things. So with a show like this, I'm kind of um, concerned how they're going to deal with infertility just because of how the tone is very soapy, but they didn't use this as like a plot twist. Liz played it very, like we, we don't have to worry about Liz. Like she's always going to do what needs to be done. She played it very vulnerable. She went into Fallon's vulnerable side. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of this story plays out for Fallon Liam for the rest of the season, whether it's um, they have a miracle and Fallon is able to get pregnant, although that would kind of undermine the introduction of an infertility storyline. Um, or if they like go relatable and try surrogacy or adoption, whatever they feel is necessary for their family. But it was a huge episode for that um, particular storyline for Fallon. And I love to see Liz get to play on her strengths in the show, which is comedy and really going into the, the deep vulnerable side of Fallon that she keeps tucked away. It's a good thing that they, like, it's a tough story to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess we will see in the coming episodes how they decide to play it, though I am going to assume that they're going to be sensitive. Um, I do think, I want to say that like, it's still by the series finale, they're going to give Fallon a mini-me in some capacity, um, even if like there's a time jump or something, whether that's through adoption or through surrogacy. Um, I just feel like because um, expanding her family is a part of her journey, that that is like, we'll go through this necessary storyline um, and she'll come out on the other side, having decided, like you said, what works best for her family definitely sounds like kind of like a final season storyline which kind of maybe goes back to the planning side of things that they were prepared for it so how many episodes are left now 11 or 10 is it um they're they just aired 12 out of 22 so is that 10 that math (laughs) (laughs) um it's further in the season than i actually thought but like it definitely feels like they have an end game in mind here this definitely feels like a major story that carries plenty of stakes fitting for a for a series finale so i hope they get to wrap it up in a way that is both loyal to this story but loyal to the overall five seasons that the show has been on for yeah it does feel like you said they're running out of time so i'm i'm wondering if they're going to do like a time jump to like get it doesn't feel like the kind of show that would employ that kind of like 
happy ending. Let's see what everybody's doing in five years. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how they navigate this. I know that the this particular bump in the road for them came from a very like soapy um plot twist of her getting shot. So and, and that makes the storyline, I guess, less relatable, but it's still relatable because there are a lot of people that can relate to the journey of struggling to have a baby. So I don't know. I, I have faith in them. I know they can pull it off no matter how they do it. And it's going to be, as always, light and full of heart and a touch of absurd. <laughs> <laughs> So if there's one show not to worry about when it comes to like the handling of content, it might be Dynasty. Yeah, because it's in its own like world. You'll always be able to find something that's grounding in the stories, usually the characters in the deepest level, but they'll always do it with a little like tongue-in-cheek wink and nudge. That's true. Which I feel like this is the perfect place then to toast its... Um, it, perhaps Tom Swift will be Dynasty's successor um, in terms of giving um, hoping. like giving that same quality of, of lightness and fun and drama um, and with a mix of vulnerability. So um, since we love Tom Swift so much, we're just going to uplift the whole darn show again. Um, it was if you you need to tune in to Tom Swift, it'll be tonight when that time you listen to this, May 31st um, at 9 p.m. because it'll air after the new Superman and Lois um, episode. Um, and you need to get into Tom, get into his world, get into his fast cars, um, his love of gadgets, um, I guess his daddy issues too, uh, the, the, um, his relationship with Zenzi, and I guess potential relationship with his bodyguard, I'm not sure. Um, there are secret Illuminati-like societies, uh, and there's a lot of I'm gonna say there's gonna be some love triangles. They did say, the showrunner did say, you know, Tom is out here and <laughs> the men love him and He's he could options. have his pick. He got options. <laughs> um, so be prepared for those options to come and go off screen. Yes, watch Tom Sweat. We toast to him. We toast to him. It's what he deserves. It is. New obsession. You're gonna see me hollering about him all the time. It's coming. <laughs> um, but with that, We are the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. And we will see you next Monday. Bye, y'all.